Making Money, another edition with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We've been delving into some pretty choppy waters, Ron. This is government risk. Uh, We itemized last week some of the areas that they're involved in that, uh, frankly, we figure, like, why are they there? Now we want to take a look at, uh, at, at what the ramifications of this might be. It sounds like something bad's going to happen. So what do we think that might be? Well, essentially endless increases in debt, currency creation, government incompetence. Eventually they lead to bad consequences. And it, it's been a while since we've seen bad consequences. And we'll talk about uh, when this will happen shortly. But, you know, it leads to currency debasement. You know, it's value and buying power drop, and that's what happens when you get inflation. It leads to bear markets. It leads to crashes. It leads to bubbles deflating. It leads to rising interest rates. As we've said, it leads to inflation. And worst of all, it leads to recessions. And so when you get governments irresponsibly exceeding their their, their natural role in the economy, and I, I think I heard it best stated by an article in McLean's magazine about 10 years ago where it said, you know, government's role is to be a referee. So like if you have a professional hockey game and you have no referee, you have the goons uh, coming in and beating up everybody and it, you know, the hockey game just turns into a prize fight. But if you have a set of rules that are consistently applied to all players Everybody has to go out there and they know that there's going to be someone looking over their shoulder, making sure that they comply with the rules. And governments, you know, they need to provide education, they need to provide infrastructure, they need to provide hospitals, policing, and all those things. And we know that. But when they exceed the natural areas of their competence and they get into so many areas they know nothing about, especially when they delve deeply into the economy and they're very incompetent at doing that. It leads to problems. And uh, right now, we've got governments that have far exceeded their mandates in so many areas. And of course, to do that, they've taken on enormous amounts of debt, which, you know, there's three consequences to that. They can either pay it back or they can default on it, or they can inflate their way out of it by printing money. And essentially, there's very few governments ever that have paid it back. Uh, The third world countries default, but most uh, countries of the caliber we live in, they inflate their way out of it. And I can't see anything that uh, can happen that will prevent this from being the route that we go. So, you know, the... What government incompetence leads to a lot of very, very bad outcomes. And uh, if you've listened to our show over the last, well, I think we've had 200 episodes, or we're getting very close to 200 episodes, and uh, then you've listened to the Making Money show, I am not a, I'm not a perma bear. I, I never come on the show telling people that markets are going down, the world's going to blow itself up, so you need to buy gold and ammo and, and hide in your basement. These levels of government excess are beginning to worry me, and that's why we wanted to do a show on this. We just wanted to talk clearly about the government getting way beyond their areas of competence and what it, this means for you and why you have to be aware of the tremendous amount of government risk out there. So when do you think this is going to happen? I think a lot of, a lot of people might say we're there right now, right? Well, it certainly sounds like we're there right now, and of course, 
people are saying, well, Ron, you're just another one of those guys that's crying wolf. Um, and uh, th that we've always patched these things up and fixed them before. And yeah, I think the next recession that we're going to have is going to end up, it could be a little longer. And the reason it could be a little longer is because there's so many excesses that have to get corrected, and that's what recessions do. But the reason we haven't had it happen previously is because imagine you've got a tug-of-war going on. And on one side, you've got an older population that is spending less and saving more. Uh, you've got offshoring, which uh, is sending goods to be manufactured where production is the cheapest. You've got the post-baby boomer generation is smaller and poorer and has less buying power. And you've got automation and AI are reducing the amount of labor that is needed to run an economy. All these are deflationary. And so you have the de deflationary side pulling on the rope and the inflationary or printing money side pulling on the other side. Well, it was pretty much equal for a number of years because we've had the demographics working in the favor of deflation and technology working in the favor of deflation. But then you have governments that over the last 20 years have increased the money supply globally by about uh, five times. And so all of a sudden that is beginning to overpower the stasis that you've seen and the powers of inflation are now beginning to pull stronger than the powers of deflation. So as the forces of inflation add more bodies to their team, which has increased debt and money and circulation, Eventually, we see the forces of inflation overwhelming the forces of deflation. And when this happens or happens, the economic consequences of doing so that we've been talking about for years start to happen. Now, we don't know that that's right now, but you start looking at the amount of money that's poured into the economy, especially over the last couple of years. And this brings us to a point that is uh, unforeseen and unplanned for, and you typically get a black swan event. And that's where something comes out of the blue and we don't have the resources to deal with it because we've squandered away that margin of safety that we've had. So I think uh, we are getting closer and closer and closer to that cliff. And as an investor, you need to be paying attention. Yeah, I, I can't see what the benefit has been for most people, Ron, with, with all this money that's been spent. Um, you know, I, I suppose if you were in a situation where you lost your employment because of COVID, well, then you've got some benefit from the government. I can understand that. But for, for everybody else who was shielded, whether they were employed or they're retired, I don't see much benefit out of this. And it, uh, and that's what's so concerning. I, I think people are sitting back and they're worried. I, I talk to people all the time that, what do you think is going to happen? Don't look at me. I don't have the answer. I, all I know is we're on a road that's not going to the right place, I don't think. Yeah, we're definitely on the road that isn't going to the right place, and the consequences could be pretty tough. So, uh, you know, we need to, as investors, uh, we're not here trying to start a political movement to change the world. But, you know, I know many of the listeners over the years, I know many of you out there personally. And so uh, our concern is that you heed warnings. And you make sure that you've taken the precautions in your own portfolio uh, to protect yourself. Because, frankly, uh, someone with a political agenda is not there to tell you um, how to protect yourself. And then you've got all the other side where you've got a cottage industry of people that are literally uh, the perma bearers that for the last 34 years or 30 or 40 years have been predicting the same thing. And they're just in it for 
they're just in it for the money, where we're honestly interested in making sure that you take the precautions that you need to protect yourself and your future because, as you know, at the rate governments are going and the direction they're going, they certainly are incapable of doing it for you. We touched on this a couple of weeks back, and one of the things that's happening here is because of the demographics. You and I have been through this. Maybe, maybe not to this extent, but we've been through this kind of inflationary cycle back in the 80s. We've seen it. So many young people go, oh, it can't be that bad. They have no concept of what this means, right? When you see how inflation can devastate um, your portfolio, when you see how high mortgage rates uh, cause businesses to go under, cause people to leave, lose their homes, uh, causes government uh, debt servicing to go wildly out of control where governments have to massively slash programs because they don't have the resources to continue with them. Uh, once you've gone through that once, you don't want to go through that again because I don't know about you, Gord, but um, you know they say memories uh, soften as time goes along. Well, I still remember the early 80s when rates went over 20% as t very, very bad times for a lot of people. Yeah, so I, I, you know, mortgages and you know, all that kind of stuff. That was a tough time. Wage and price controls came in. Remember that? If, yeah. you, if you're on a salary, your salary got frozen for, I don't know how long it was, 18 months or something like that. So, you know, and, and you felt like you were going backwards. And that's what I feel right now. I feel like we're going backwards right now. I really do. Well, so. with 7 to 9% inflation, you are going backwards. Your buying power uh, has, has stripped, you know, all 8 or 9% of its, its buying power over just a few months. And unless they get this under control, um, it, it's going to strip your buying power a lot more. But this is a two-headed coin that has negative uh, uh, consequences on both sides. If they rates, raise the rates too much, then you have uh, uh, recessions, you have uh, bubbles bursting in the stock market, in the bond market, in the real estate market. So things can get tough. So you know we're not here waving our arms trying to be uh, the doom and gloom, the prophets. But what we are trying to tell you is, you know, there's a lot of things that government shouldn't be doing, and you need to protect yourself, and you need to turn the TV off and quit listening to these guys because they literally, they don't give you the solutions. When they come on TV, they just give you a lot more problems. Well, you, you think of the prime minister, that quote of his, a couple of, oh, I don't worry too much about economic situations. <laughs> well, clearly you don't. <laughs> okay, and, and as an investor... And we talk about this, this, we try to educate people about investing here, Ron, financial literacy. If you're going to be thinking there'll be some opportunities here with recessions and prices are going to come down, they could be buying opportunities, but take the time to learn the nuts and bolts of investing, right? Like what yeah. you have to pay attention to. Yeah. Most investors have never seen or don't remember a bear market like the 56% ripper we had globally in 2007 to 2009. The 49% meltdown that the tech uh, crowd experienced in 2000, and even less have experienced the inflation and high interest rates in the 70s and 80s. So the worst they saw was a 33% pandemic bear market in 2020, which lasted for 60 days. So doing what the herd is doing, especially in times like this, where you really have to focus on protecting yourself, will get you in a lot of trouble. Don't believe that groupthink works. So learn about price-to-earnings ratios. Learn all of that stuff, the technical stuff, right? Try to get a basic understanding of what that is. And learn about, 
literally the fundamentals of investing. As we talked about on uh, two shows back, so much of investing behavior today is driven by stories that, uh, you know, once upon a time in a land far away, this, uh, this fairy godmother came and sprinkled fairy dust on this company and all of a sudden it became great and it, it complied with ESG and, and everybody loved it and uh, on and on it goes. Well, in the real world, it doesn't work like that. In the real world, you need cash flows. You have to watch your, your debt levels. You have to look at how you're allocating cash. You have to look at, at uh, your profitability. And you've got, those are the nuts and bolts, and you have to be paying attention to those. And now, because typically when you have a bad recession, it wipes a lot of that investment negative behavior, bad behavior, it corrects it. And so going forward, I think people are going to have to pay a lot more attention to things like earnings ratios, book values, debt levels, cash flows, asset allocation, charting, and so on. And so now is a good time to take some time and learn these fundamentals because going forward, I believe that a lot more of these fundamentals are going to drive prices than the story-related economies that we've had over the last few years. We always talk about reviewing your portfolio. Should we be looking in there and getting rid of the dogs right now? Well, you have to ask yourself, you know, over the last uh, few years, especially since 2009, where we have had massive amounts of money going into the economy and pushing everything upwards, if you've got a company that's a dog, and in these kind of markets, scored, with money being pushed at um, ETFs and put, bringing everything up, if you have a company that hasn't been able to go up the last four or five years, um, maybe it's just time to get rid of it. Yeah, what makes you think it's going to go up when times are tough, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what about building cash? Is that a good idea right now? Yeah. Building some cash, it, it, you just always want to have liquidity because the best opportunities that, you know, it's for most people, if they have 10 or stocks, it's two or three or four of them that make them the bulk of their profits over a long period of time. And when do you get a chance to buy these companies that greatly outperform in the next bull market? Well, you get your chance to buy them when they're really cheap in a downturn. So you want to have some profits and some that you've, uh, that you've taken, and we'll discuss that in a second, but you want to have some cash available so that you have the liquidity to buy when the time is right. So what do we do about... Uh... We talked about gold. Uh, do we want do we want to get some precious metals to just to maybe have a little bit of protection? Well, I have a little bit of precious metals in my own portfolio, but I also have other assets that do well in times when uh, you're seeing inflation. And that's real return bonds, those are real estate investment trusts. Uh, there's some of the miners that produce things like copper. I have those and I have some gold as well. But so I'm, I'm kind of agnostic on this sector. I mean, uh, the gold bugs think that gold is the uh, answer. What's the question, Gord? My concern is that if we have inflation, and we certainly have had it, and it's, uh, uh, you know everybody's talking about that's going to end really quickly. But I think it's important to have some inflation protection in your portfolio. And however you uh, or the investment choices you make to to protect yourself, uh, I'm I'm more agnostic on that. But you've got to have some inflation protection, and with the pullback that we've seen, now is probably a good time to start buying. 
So what if we have something in our portfolio right now that's in a profit situation? I think you touched on this a moment ago. Is it a good time to take a profit if there's one there? Well, as we talked about last week in our podcast, there's three kinds of portfolios. You've got your core portfolio, which is the stuff you generally keep forever and, and add to it when it gets cheap. You have your um, opportunistic portfolio, which is companies that really are sensitive to the economy. And if we go into recession, they could go down a long ways. And this is especially this and the speculative part of your portfolio. Uh, so those two areas, especially the opportunistic and speculative, and if you, you are not sure the, the terminology, go back and listen to our previous show. But these are the areas especially where they get hurt really badly in recessions, and it's not a bad time to sell lows. And like I say, some of your dogs that haven't gone anywhere for years. And so that allows you to take money off the table and to place it in really good quality stuff when it gets cheap. Okay, so... Should we, this could take a while to straighten itself out, right? So should we be really looking at defensive positions and stuff? Well, you know, most of my portfolio over the years is defensive stocks. Like I like dollar stores. I like uh, utility stocks. I like companies that uh, are produce low-cost food. I like bulk food distributors. I like distillers. I like pawn shops. And those are well represented in my portfolio. Companies that produce beverages like you know, uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Nestle, those are the kind of companies that form the core of my portfolio. And so typically in bad markets, they go down a lot less. So if a market goes down 50%, my portfolio goes down 25, I don't, don't, I'm not psychologically distressed or pushed to the point where I want to sell everything. So, you know, I think that you want to be defensive and especially as you get older, you build those defensive stocks. And, you know, the misnomer is that these defensive stocks, you yawn and go to sleep and they never go anywhere. Well, you know, I've got defensive stocks in, in distillers that are up 400%. I've got, I've got life insurance companies that are up 1,000% from where I bought them. I've just held them for long periods of time. And I don't worry about them when they go into uh, downturns. In fact, I just use the opportunity to add more. So the more of these you have in the, your portfolio, the less stressed you're going to get. We have to be careful here about fixed income, don't we? Yeah, fixed income right now is starting to get better. You know, I looked just the other day, and five-year GICs were trading at about 4.5%. And so we're starting to get to the point where as rates go up, they're starting to get more attractive. And so you, you definitely want to dust off some of the fundamentals. And, and if you want to own fixed income, you look at mortgages, floating rate preferreds, real return bonds, corporate bonds. And so we're going to be doing a show on this in a couple of weeks as a, as a refresher, because certainly as rates go up, uh, fixed income gets more and more attractive for your portfolio. And I think we obviously have to look at government debt differently, don't we? Well, we certainly do. I mean, it, it used to be the, the go-to place to hide. It was a safe haven, right? Yeah, yeah. it was a safe haven. But, you know, if I took Canada's name off our national balance sheet and showed it to you, would you think it's Canada's or would you think it's the third world countries? Uh, you'd probably think it didn't belong to a country belonging to the G7. So the more debt the governments uh, take on, the less flexibility they have to help the economy out, you know, the old Keynesian theory was 
you ran surpluses during good times, and then you you ran deficits to help the economy in bad times. Well, that doesn't work anymore. We run deficits uh, in good times, and we run even bigger deficits in bad times. And the the higher these deficits get, the less um, agile the economy is going to be. Just imagine if you have a boat, and it, the bottom of it fills up with water. Uh, normally, a boat can be pretty agile. You can turn it around very quickly. You can do a lot of things. But when a boat gets waterlogged and full of lot water, it can't do a lot. And that really is a good analogy that applies applies here. So you've got to look at government differently because they're just not going to have the agility to help like they have in the past because they've already blown so much money and the resources they have available are just not there to help like they did in the past. Okay, so there you go. Government risk. Big topic. Two shows. Lots to chew on. Lots to think about. Again, as we always say, pay attention, friends. This is uh, These are pretty tough times, and you better be on top of things. Had a question come to us from James, Ron. He was wondering, with COVID more under control, I'm wondering if you might consider an upcoming show on reopening industries. Uh, you know, Some of them, the airlines, the cruise ship lines, the hospitality industry. What are your thoughts there? Well, I certainly think that this reopening trade, as they call it, whereas the government uh, regulations open up and businesses are allowed to function more normally. Um, I, I think it's been very good for some. I think some are, have been so weakened over the last two years that it's taking them longer to come back and it's taking longer for the public to trust going back and using their services. But then I think there's just a whole sector or sectors of businesses out there that frankly are never ever going to recover to the way they were before. So I've got a show just about ready to go. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, um, you're going to be able to hear that show. And we'll go through it sector by sector. And we'll talk about, we'll give you another education on stuff that should do well. And we'll also take a look at the other side of the equation and things you've got to be very, very cautious about owning because they just might never recover due to the damage that they've sustained over the last two years. So there you go. Questions, as we say, always welcome. You can reach us. Let's make money.ca is our website. Just send us an email. We'll be happy to address it. And as Ron said, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks to gather the information, but uh, we'll get there. And uh, also you can reach us through cfcw.com. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for listening to Making Money. We'll talk to you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.